Hey everyone, Jim Minnery here for another edition of Family Matters. Thanks so much for tuning in. We always appreciate those who are interested in this intersection of faith and politics. Those two issues you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, but we're happy to do so. In fact, that's what we uh, exist for as a ministry. Family Matters is a ministry of Alaska Family Council and Alaska Family Action, you can go to akfamily.org and sign up for our uh, somewhat regular newsletter, action alert, uh, to stay engaged and influence your culture for his glory. That's what we're doing. And uh, a lot of good stuff happening uh, right now. It's not often that you hear about victories because of all the um, cultural pressure from progressives and those uh, who would take away the rights of uh, people with traditional biblical views on marriage, sexuality, religious liberty, parental rights, the whole thing. Um, you know um, the the script. It's basically we're always seeming to be back on our heels uh, fighting for uh, the right to be able to just live our lives according to our deeply held convictions. And when we do have victories, we'd love to talk about that. And um, so we'll go over that in a few minutes. We do want to thank our friends, as always, at Rieger Physical Therapy at RiegerPT.com. That's R-E-G-E-R-P-T.com. Cortland Rieger and his team over at Rieger Physical Therapy have been longtime supporters, and we couldn't be happier to to promote their business and uh, go over there and take care of all your physical therapy needs. So thank you so much, Rieger Physical Therapy, for making Family Matters possible. Today we're going to be speaking with my good friend Suzanne Downing with Must Read Alaska. If you haven't uh, signed up yet for her insightful and acerbic uh, weekly newsletter and um, alerts that she sends out on a regular basis, I highly encourage you to do so. Go to mustreadalaska.com and sign up. She's going to be talking about some of these elections that occurred yesterday. We had some great victories Um, And we'll talk about those here in a few minutes. But before that, I wanted to make sure that you are aware we now have um, our uh, annual dinners um, promoted on our website. So please go to akfamily.org to uh, register for our two annual dinners. This year, we're having one in Fairbanks, Alaska on Friday, October 25th at Pike's Waterfront Lodge. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the program starts at 7 p.m. So you can go there to get your tickets and become a sponsor. Uh, And then on Saturday, October 26th, we're having the same dinner in Anchorage at O'Malley's on the Green. Again, the doors open at 6 p.m. and the program begins at 7 p.m. And those tickets usually go fairly fast. So um, please go to akfamily.org. We have two phenomenal speakers. Our theme this year is Contending for the Faith, and we have Representative Katrina Jackson, a pro-life Democrat out of the Louisiana 
um, legislature. She's actually running for Senate. She's a representative now, but she has done phenomenal things for the pro-life movement in spite of her party, the Democrat uh, party going as far as they can to the left in terms of that issue, the pro-life issue. And so a fascinating woman and a fascinating presentation that she will give that evening. We'll also be interviewing a uh, lady by the name of Isabella Chow. She's a young 20-year-old um, that graduated recently from the University of Cal Berkeley, uh, one of the liberal bastions in our country, and stood strong for uh, her views on uh, sexuality and marriage as the Bible defines them. And uh, as a student government senator, she endured some serious attacks and stood strong with uh, a winsomeness and grace that is a serious encouragement that has actually garnered national attention. So we're going to be interviewing her as well as having Representative Katrina Jackson. So it's going to be a great evening of food, faith, and fellowship, and we hope you can join us on October 25th at Pike's Waterfront in Fairbanks and Saturday, October 26th at at O'Malley's on the Green and Anchorage. Uh, so just real quick before we get into our interview with Suzanne Downing at Must Read Alaska, we were blessed to be able to have some national victories. I'll talk about two of those now, and then we'll talk about a few of the local ones that have uh, transpired here in the great state of Alaska. One of them in Michigan, a uh, federal judge ruled recently in favor of St. Vincent Catholic Charities. It's a faith-based adoption agency, and the, um, the judge, uh, the federal court judge, Chief Judge Robert Jonker of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Michigan, ruled basically that religious agencies that contract with the state of Michigan can refuse to place children in same-sex same-sex households, and basically in that ruling, the agreed that the state shouldn't force uh, um, adoptive. Or, or agencies that uh, that contract with the state to have to place kids in same-sex homes, same-sex couple homes, um, because there are already um, multiple, in fact, the vast majority in every state, the vast majority of adoption agencies place uh, uh, kids into same-sex couple homes. So it's not about whether or not those couples can adopt kids. It's about whether or not um, we can live in a pluralistic society and faith-based groups, often um, some of the oldest uh, adoption agencies in states, should still have the right to um, live and and, um, and run their agencies according to their deeply held conviction. So that was a big victory. The quote that I think is, um, is very relevant is that uh, Judge Jonker says, quote, the state's real goal is not to promote non-discriminatory child placements, but to stamp out St. Vincent's religious belief and replace it with the state's own. Uh, I don't think there's been a better line in terms of uh, what really is going on when it comes to these kinds of adoption agencies and, for that matter, other uh, other institutions and ministries and groups and businesses that are just trying to live in a community and, and hold on to their convictions. Let me read that statement to you again um, from uh, Chief Judge Robert Jonker, um, who ruled in favor of St. Vincent Catholic Charities. Uh, he said, quote, the state's real goal is not to promote non-discriminatory child placements, but to stamp out 
St. Vincent's religious belief and replace it with the state's own, unquote. So that's pretty phenomenal um, to, to read. And uh, he was appointed, I believe, by um, George W. Bush. Um, and so, you know, elections matter. That's that's the first thing. And obviously, uh, you know, Donald Trump is like him or hate him. He's appointing, uh, you know, constitutional minded, strict constructionists on the federal court in record numbers. And so these kinds of rulings, uh, we can only hope, are going to be uh, in, uh, increasing down the road. Another one, <coughs> excuse me, in Iowa A federal court ruled that the University of Iowa um, must pay out of their own pocket for a discrimination against a prominent Christian student group there, uh, tried to basically kick off campus the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So that was another victory. And we have some other victories that we'll talk about with Suzanne Downing um, here right in Alaska in Anchorage. And then we have one uh, in, in specifically related to Alaska Family Council in that the uh, J-Bear, uh, the joint-based Elmendorf-Richardson, actually issued an apology. We've talked about that before. But um, anyway, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back with Suzanne Downing and Must Read Alaska. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. When peace like a river my way Hey folks, welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Jim Minnery, and as I mentioned, we have my good friend Suzanne Downing with Must Read Alaska. Um, Suzanne, what a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Well, it is great to be here with you, and and, uh, we've had a really, really interesting 24-hour cycle on this uh, recent local election. I hope that's what you wanted me to talk about. Yes, of course I do, but I want to just, first of all, let people know about you and your um, and your endeavor here in the state that has really transformed the the landscape in so many ways. It's amazing, and we'll get into this a little bit later on the Fairbanks side. But you know, I one of the prominent pastors up there that I was working with on getting the values voters out hadn't ever heard of you. I was just talking to him this morning, and I was like, "Dude, you got to be kidding!" Um, because he's very politically active and engaged, and knows how important it is to equip his congregation. And anyway, so it's just, it's kind of like with our group. I mean, you know, I always think sometimes living inside the bubble, wow, everyone kind of knows about doing and, you know, but you just have to, you have to keep pressing in all the different corners of the state to let people know that we're out there. And um, anyway, so tell us a little bit about, first of all, um, when you got up here to the great land, for those who don't know, and what led you to this point of your journey that you're on right now? All right. Well, you're going to have to cut me off if I go over because, you know, we, <laughs> when we talk about our favorite subjects, this is how we, we, get, we kind of get on a roll. Well, know. you know, and, and, and you're really right about uh, needing to get our message out because we're not speaking to a static audience when we're talking about issues or anything else for that matter in this state, especially in this state we have a very transient audience. So you have pastors that come up here and you know, maybe they don't stay forever, but Must Read Alaska has been up and running for about four years now. It started out as a newsletter and it was just two conservative Republicans and it got real popular. We started, you know, I started getting a lot of people wanting to subscribe and I kept kicking off all the reporters who were subscribing and I, 
I wouldn't let them subscribe because I knew that what they were doing. They're just trying to mine it for information so that they can twist the story the other way. Yep. And um, and but but eventually, it's about a year later, and it's and that's three years ago. I started the website to augment the newsletter. Now I have both. I have a website that gets populated every single day with news stories from the conservative side of the fulcrum, and I don't make any bones about it. Um, Others in the news media do pretend to be neutral, and we know that that's not the case. We know kind of what they're doing, and we can see through it. I kind of lead with the conservative angle, and that's just what I decided needed to be done um, to be transparent and honest with people. I don't pretend to give liberals a a, a lot of time a day because – they have the entire rest of the media, right? <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so you right. asked me about where I came from. Okay, I was I was born in Oregon, and I'm right there on the Oregon coast, wild Oregon coast. Um, my dad and um, my mom went to Lewis and Clark College, and, and then my dad got a job down in Chile and was getting ready to move us down there, but there was uh, all of a sudden a socialist revolution. We did not move to Chile, but we did move to Southern California, where he was a reporter, then an editor, worked in the news business, uh, lived in San Diego until sort 1969. Sort of another, social, another socialist bastion, California. Well, I mean, you know. well, in San Diego was not so much. It was more of a military town, maybe town back then, and is still somewhat conservative. Um, you know, it's, it's moderated. It's not as conservative as it used to be. But it was um, a, a great place to grow up. But when I was 14, my dad moved us all up to Alaska in 1969, um, 14 or 15, I can't remember. That was a long time ago, obviously. And we moved to Juneau, and my dad um, got a job working for the state. That was a time when the oil was, had been found in Prudhoe Bay. The money was starting to flow. There was just an awful lot of activity in the state. And he landed a great job with fishing game. And so the family uh, just parked in Juneau, and I was a, a business owner there. I finished my college degree down at Oregon State University, returned home to Alaska, was the editor of the Juno Empire, and did other newspaper work as well. Lived out of state, in state, but I returned to Alaska in um, 2008. And so I've really lived here on and off, but mostly on since 1969. Well, that's interesting. I guess I didn't even know some of that stuff. I mean, because we often talk politics and policy, and rarely do we get into some of the details like that. So that's really... I don't think we've ever talked about where I came from. No, I that's really cool. I, I mean, I, some, yeah. it's weird that it takes a radio show to be able to get to a place. I mean, we touch base all the time, and it's such an advantage. I mean, it's just like, um, you know, I, I can't agree with you more in terms of the, the press. I just... I wish that, um, you know, either they would do their job in terms of the mainstream media of reporting the news and letting people determine, um, you know, in fact, letting them decide the outcome. You You don't decide people's opinion or even necessarily try to influence it. You just say, here are the facts. And um, unless you're an opinion page um, writer, but in as you know and you, you mentioned, um, it, it's just so often is predictable that the stories that you get, and I still take them. I mean, there, there's moments in time where I just say I'm not going to even take the calls anymore from KTUU or the Daily News or uh, certainly the Anchorage Press. Um, but you know, you have to get the message out, and it, it is an audience, but. Um, so either I think that they should flat out do you know what other conservatives 
have done across the country, either with Fox News or um, Must Read Alaska, or now we have the Alaska Watchman up here um, and used to be the Anchorage Times, have at least uh, be real with people and, and let them know this is the bend that we have. But to, to be, I think that's one of the reasons why they have lost credibility is that people, like you say, have seen right through it. And they know now because they can get their source news source from so many other places that it's obvious that their bend is the way it is. Um, so how refreshing and awesome to have your um, your outlet there. I did do an interview, by the way, with um, a new reporter. Something seems like they're always new. I cannot tell you how many times I've been interviewed, especially in television. And they all say, I think the longest that I've had uh, someone's tenure in Alaska is like a year and a half. Most of them are like, oh, I've been up here for a couple months. I think they come to Alaska get their experience and then pop down to the States to some big market or something. But it was just another new reporter. And he did this story on the um, transgender issue downtown, the, the Hope Center. And if you saw that story on KTUU, they actually did a fairly good job and interviewed a lady uh, that was in the shelter saying, we're very happy that biological men are not allowed. I mean, you know, that, to me, that was a, a victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, the whole purpose of Must Read Alaska is to keep the mainstream media on its toes, keep them honest. And, um, I, you know, I'd like to see them being a little bit nervous about the work they do. I'd like to see them, you know, write that, write that news or, or tell that news story kind of more down the middle. But, in fact, we all have biases, and it is just human nature. We cannot necessarily get over our biases it is almost a superpower to be able to do so. And I don't know any reporters who actually have that superpower. Actually, there are a couple out there who do. Um, Becky Bohr, who is with the Associated Press, is probably the best reporter in the state. And okay. when she, well, that's good to know. Yeah, and she, yeah, yeah. And she's solid. She's been at it for a long time. She's been in Juneau for a long time covering the Capitol. And by, by golly, she really plays it straight. But most others don't. And, in fact, there aren't enough editors in the old role was the editors would kind of check those reporters and really question them and question their biases. But they're really now have the reporters are running the newsrooms and reporters are notoriously biased. So it's just, it, you know, must read Alaska is there to provide a certain perspective that people aren't getting. And sometimes to report facts that, um, that other, that other reporters just won't cover for whatever reason. Well, and I also uh, you need to say to folks, first of all, go to mustreadalaska.com and get um, and get yourself subscribed if you want to know um, really what's going on in the uh, in the state regarding culture and policy and politics. Uh, I mean, not only is uh, I mean, it's pure poetry the way I look at it, not only figuratively in terms of how exceptional you are. Uh, and, and how you write, but also literally in that you insert poetry often in your news pieces. And I have to be completely frank. That's the only time I ever read poetry. I'm not a poetry guy, but I take <laughs> time to read some of your stuff. And sometimes it's easy. It's like, okay, I get that right away. Other times I'm like, okay, I got to read that like three times to understand what the heck they're saying. Um, right. But I appreciate that. And uh, you actually are a, po a poet yourself, aren't you? Um, I do write poetry, actually. But what, what is interesting is that we do have a reputation as conservatives as being sort of knuckle-draggers and anti-intellectuals. And, and, and in fact, some of us really aren't that way. We, we do read widely. We craze widely in our reading. And so I have a newsletter that goes out three times a week. And on Mondays, 
I do a book review, and I do a poem. And usually it's a classic poem. I've got to be careful of copyright, so I can't really use new works. Sometimes it's a Bible verse. Sometimes it's a fraction, uh, just a fragment of a sonnet or something. Other times it's a complete poem, like this this uh, week I had Ozymandias from Percy Bliss Shelley. It's a very famous poem, one of the, one of the most phenomenal poems of all time. I hope you read it. But other, uh, but the books, the, yeah, but the books that I review are usually conservative books or history books. A lot of times they're American history books because I think it's important that people read, and that's that's why it's must read Alaska. You want people to read and and read widely and become informed. And if they're only reading mainstream media, they are going to have a certain perspective on the world. And so we want them to just open up the right brain and the left brain and, you know, the middle brain and to make their own decisions about things. Be open-minded. Well, and, you know, I, I was I was actually in the process of writing an article. I, I'm able to submit that still to the Daily News and get a few of them published and, and thinking about the angle in terms of, the issue that I'm going to be addressing, and it's not going to be uh, – it's going to be on the transgender or the homeless uh, downtown uh, issue, the Hope Center. And I want to do it in a way that is not gloating because we're not called to do that, but to say, no. okay, how can we use this as a way now to get closer together as a community? Not that we're ever going to be able to have that ability completely, but, um, hey, I'm running up on a quick break. I'm going to take a short time out, and we'll be right back to talk policy with Suzanne Downing. Be right back, folks. Thanks. When peace like a river attendeth my way. Hey folks, Jim Minnery here with Family Matters. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I have the good pleasure of chatting with my friend Suzanne Downing at Must Read Alaska. And if you have not become a member, well, shame on you. You need to be because if you're listening to the show to begin with, you have some interest in culture, politics, policy, and, and that intersection of faith um, that, uh, you know, we, we say on the show, you're, we talk about the two things you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, uh, you know, politics and religion. And we do it wholeheartedly because I think um, they're the most exciting things to talk about and interesting things. But um, so now that we've talked about your, your history and why uh, folks need to be on board, let's dive into some of this. We've had some um, you know, a, a number of elections across the state. Anchorage was one of the few places in the state that did not have any elections yesterday. And we were very involved. Let's start with Fairbanks because that's the one that we were most involved in. We were contacted by a number of pastors uh, earlier, uh, a couple months ago, saying, hey, listen, we're starting to see our community turn in a way that we don't like and we want to um, identify some folks who are aligned with the issues that we care deeply about in terms of social issues and biblical issues and so we're going to start recruiting some people and we're going to need some help uh, getting the word out we don't know what we're doing but we know that we need to be doing something and we saw we've seen what happened bridge you know we have 11 member anchorage assembly with only two folks who have any conservative blood in them whatsoever and nine pretty progressive liberals. And so that's no reflection of Anchorage. I think it's just lazy in terms of how people have engaged in this community. And they saw that. They don't want that to happen. And they took a stand. And, oh, my gosh, um, we were very involved in, in working for different. And so at least in terms of the original group that we endorsed and got behind, 
all five of them were victorious yesterday. It's it's really amazing. Tell us about the first one. You were very familiar with all of the elections across the state, but give us the rundown on what happened in Fairbanks yesterday. Well, um, Fairbanks had a really interesting mayoral race, and um, from the, on the face of it, this looks like a, a simple uh, Republican versus Democrat. So let's let's move. Be, let's first make sure that everybody understands these are not nonpartisan races. Not um, even. They used to, they used to be, but now they are very much seen by especially the left as a place to really grow a farm team. And so you want to get your people in on school boards and on road service areas and and then on assemblies and, and, you know, find out which ones are the best, which make the best candidates and who, who does well with pressure. And then you move them up and you run them for higher office. And in Fairbanks, um, uh, the, the mayor's race was fascinating because it was a, a Republican mayor, Jim Matherly, and he had taken a lot of heat over uh, a, what was they called a civil rights ordinance. It wasn't a civil rights ordinance. It had to do with allowing um, transgenders to, um, to, to have special protections or LGBTQ plus community have special protections and especially in things like accommodations and that would be restrooms and dressing rooms and, and you know, other kind of public places. Um, also things like bed and breakfast uh, in somebody's home when they're running out of room. Uh, these are things that I know you're, you, you talk about and your, your audience is familiar with. Well, the, the the city council passed this ordinance, and um, the mayor vetoed it. And boy, I tell you, the left came unglued. So when this election came up, and Catherine Dodge filed as a Democrat, she's a Democrat, she filed for, for mayor, I pretty much figured that they were going to be so mobilized against him and that they were going to take him out. Um, in fact, your pastors, other conservatives in Anchorage did rally around the, the incumbent, Jim Natalie, and he won 49 um, to 40, 40 was almost, almost 50% to 44%. Um, it is a remarkable win because Catherine Dodge, who's a Democrat, was on the assembly. She had run for Bart Lebon's seat for House District 1, and she had lost that by just one vote. Therefore, she was a very good, experienced candidate. And she's well-spoken, but she represented values for the other side of the equation. And it was just a great win for conservatives in Fairbanks to, to see Jim retain that seat, even though he had taken a stand saying, I'm going to veto this ordinance because I believe this should go to the voters. Not because I believe that LGBTQ is bad or they're bad people, but this is something that is so important to Fairbanks. People should vote on it. Well, and well we, the left the left didn't want that to happen. Not even. I mean, it was you. You know, it's it's always uh, telling to go to social media and see some of the vitriol um, that was uh, that was thrown at at you know Matherly and um, and even pastors. some of the well and the pastors too. That's the part that's so bizarre. Um, you know, the there was a uh, so the SOGI, the sexual orientation, gender identity laws that that was up in Fairbanks. And we've battled that, um, you know, over the years here in Anchorage. But, um, you know, it was it was telling to be able to uh, hear an interview with um, on that show I, or the KTU newscast that I mentioned last a couple of days ago, they interviewed. Matthew Schultz, who's the first pres first Presbyterian of Anchorage um, pastor, who's definitely left leaning and very progressive, and is always writing 
you know, pro-LGBT stuff, pro-abortion rights stuff, and we couldn't disagree more on everything. We've had many personal meetings and just agree to disagree. But what he said was, listen, as a Christian, I think that um, we're called to serve everybody. And um, so in, in that language that he was saying to the news, he was saying that the Downtown Hope Center should have been required by the full force of the law to let that transgender man or transgender woman, a biological man, into the shelter, despite the fact that the women um, actually got together. It's kind of an inside baseball thing, but I found out um, some time ago that they had gotten together um, and said, we will collectively leave this place if you allow this man to come in identifies as a woman. And my take on that is what Jim was doing up in Fairbanks is, listen, the way he went about it, I thought was very graceful and very simple. He was just saying, listen, I'm not saying that they don't have, that there aren't some discrimination things, uh, discrimination that goes on in our community regarding the LGBT community. I'm just saying that this is not the route necessarily because you're, you're swinging it so far the other way that you're taking advantage of those who have deeply held convictions on, on biblical sexuality and marriage. And so why don't we try to come together? And we've tried to do that for some time. And ultimately, I'm not sure if it's um, if it's a place that the LGBT activists want to come to, to say, even though the courts now, uh, as we've been seeing across the country with, with uh, you know, the victory for, um, you know, the guy in Colorado who was able to determine who he provided a wedding cake to, to just what happened in federal court with Judge Gleason here in Anchorage with the Downtown Hope Center, that, that legally the courts are saying, listen, these are going too far. You're infringing upon others' rights. And so I think that's what resonated. Um, and I'd like to somehow get that message out to the LGBT progressive community to say this is not an indication that people are more bigoted and homophobic and hate-minded um, in Alaska. This is just trying to ha have that delicate balance of both sides' rights. And I don't know why we never hear that from the left. Mm, yeah. Well, the, the one of the things that I believe is going on is that um, with, when you have the LGBTQ community is, is really have a great interest in expanding its constituency so that it has a more powerful voice. And they have all kinds of reasons for wanting to do that. You know, they want more people to come out, they, you know, they, to, to, and, and to declare themselves as gender, non-binary or whatever. And for many of them, they are on a mission to actually destroy the concept of gender. And we've seen that with the changing of the pronouns and how that is starting to happen in various municipalities. I believe that um, that was something going on in Fairbanks recently as well where we're, we're just going to change all the pronouns and call everybody a they. Um, and so when you, when you when, if that's your mission is to actually break down the concept of gender, then, you know, you're not going to be somebody that is willing to just talk about what's reasonable because your idea of what's reasonable is, is very, very different. So, yeah, I, it, you know, the downtown Hope Kitchen, you think um, about the, the person, Timothy Coyle, he goes by a different name now, I believe he changed his name legally to Samantha. Um, he's been homeless a lot. He needs he needs some kind of services. There are obviously some mental health issues going on there. And yes, I think Pastor Schultz is right. We are called to serve, but that doesn't mean every single service that we provide has to be for every single person. So we don't, you know, we might have a homeless center for women 
and we have we have shelters for children and we keep them separate from adults men and women we have prisons that we keep women and men separate in for all kinds of good reasons but um you know, they don't want to really accept that there is a difference between men and women. They mix them all in together as well, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's fascinating to hear, and I'd, I'd love to be able to have that message out more is to say that we're not saying that that man who – even saying the word struggle – um, who struggles with gender dysphoria? You know that would be that would be a loaded term for those on the on, on the left. They would say no, he's not struggling with anything. That's how God made him, and so don't say that. And so, well, okay, we won't say it. But at the same time, um, the women in that um, shelter have also the right to be uh, to have some privacy. And man, we could talk about this for a long time. I'm going to take another quick break, Suzanne. We will be right back. And uh, folks, stick around. We'll be right back. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrow... Hey everybody, welcome back to the last segment of Family Matters. I was just saying before the break that we could talk for a long time about so many different issues and we've just barely touched the surface of what happened in Fairbanks. Suffice it to say we had serious victory there. Um two assembly members, a council member, and a school board member that we had got behind also won. And what I think it shows is that the conservative community that has such a an advantage and opportunity within the, the church to get the voice out, we showed that yesterday with you know these pastors, 43 of them, who determined that they were going to say something from the pulpit which they legally have the right to. They were going to inform and equip their congregation to understand what candidates best represented their values. And the results show themselves. I think Catherine Dodge, um, she spent like twice as much as the incumbent, didn't she? Uh, yes. And so this is Suzanne Downing for your audience um, uh, with Must Read Alaska. So, uh, yes, actually, she spent $52,000 to his $25,000 or so. Uh, he, she, she had a significant advantage. She had people from the LGBT community completely fired up to work on her behalf. She had unions and PACs and, um, you know, the Democratic Party itself uh, all pulling for her. This was going to be a big win for them, and she was a, she was a good, solid candidate for the Democrats. But Jim uh, Matherly did win, and it was because the conservatives – finally woke up. And this is one of the things we're seeing across the state, which is a little bit difficult to say is that, excuse me while I cough, <coughs> is that our conservative uh, voters are kind of sleepy. One of the things that we saw in this particular election, and we had local elections in many places, is that um, quite a few unchallenged seats. So basically just one person running, for instance, for a couple of uh, city council seats in Wasilla, they were unchallenged. So only 100 people in Wasilla went out to vote so, oh, and because, because there, was not, there wasn't a choice. There were, there were two seats and there were two people. So they were going to win. And what we're seeing is um, many conservatives will not step up and run for office because they are afraid of being savaged by the, what is a very, very harsh left. And they will they pull no punches. They're really savage um, against our candidates. So, um, unfortunately, that is suppressing some of our people from, you know, stepping up to serve. 
that's a problem for us. But we did we did well in Fairbanks. We took a couple of seats on the on the city council, and we won the mayor's office. That doesn't mean this this issue is over about this civil rights ordinance. That's it's not over. I mean, well, we're going to be dealing with this LGBTQ questions for a long, long time. Well, um, it'll be years. Well, people really try to sort out uh, what is government's role and where do how do we protect all people and protect people who have very strongly held beliefs in faith that are grounded in faith. How do we protect their religious rights? And it's a question that our our democracy, our republic, has to wrestle with because we are there to protect all people. And um, if people live in the LGBTQ uh, lifestyle or identify as a, as a woman, a man identifying as a woman, that's that is something that is also protected. No, that's so we, right. We, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there there we can coexist. That's the part that I think uh, some communities have wrapped their head around. I mean, you find um, I can't remember the name of the group, but there's a national group. I think it's called Wolf. Or something. It's a women's uh, radical women's rights group that is strongly pro-abortion, strongly in favor of LGBT rights, but they have drawn the line when it comes to the privacy issue in terms of uh, not just for bathrooms and and showers and locker rooms and that kind of thing, but even for um, competitive sports because you know these are women that have you know, a, a mindset of we worked very hard, thank you very much, to get the rights that we have now and to see men now uh, coming into our private spaces and, and and eliminating women and girls in high school from competition is a step too far. And so it's kind of nice to see. It, it, it reminds me of the permanent dividend. That's a weird segue, I know, but uh, when we've started debating that issue so heavily in the state, it's kind of um, – messed up the whole concept of conservative, liberal, oh, Republican, yeah. Democrat, because you got people messed up on all different sides that we can't seem to identify who's where, you know, and it, it, at least it's interesting, you know, in terms of, I mean, I hate to switch gears on that, but I do want to get your take a little bit on um, this whole uh, Chris Birch seat in the Senate. Most of the audience would know that Senator Chris Birch passed away um, uh, a month or so ago um, and was appointed, uh, or Laddie Shaw, who's a representative uh, who was soundly uh, elected by a wide margin in his district, um, was turned down by the Senate. And now Josh Rebeck is up. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, I, I know that the Alaska Family Council doesn't, and nor will we, take a position on the permanent um uh, on, on the permanent fund dividend because that's not one of our core issues. I have my personal opinions on that, but um, it's not one that we take um, that we take up publicly. But what? But you can tell us a little bit more well, about why you think what, what has transpired has happened and what's the end goal. Because we only have a couple minutes here, but I do want to let our listeners know that there's got to be some end to this because if. Uh, if the governor continues to uh, put forth people who don't have the right PFD mentality, how long does this go on? Well, yeah. So the, one of the one of the issues is that we're seeing sort of two new parties emerge in the state. One is the full statutory PFD party, which says 
Whatever the statute says, that's what it should be. I'm okay if it's 500. I'm okay if it's 3,000. But it has to be according to statute because it has to be fair. And the other party is we don't have that kind of money. And right now uh, we think that 1,600 is, is pretty good or some, um, some smaller amount. Now, Chris Birch, he was advocating for a $900 PFD because in his mind, PFD was kind of poisoning our state. He's a conservative guy. Let me tell you, he was a friend of mine, and, and, I'm, and I hope a friend of yours. He was a good man, and occasionally I go into my, my text, and I just look for all the different wonderful text exchanges I've had with Chris Birch, and he was a wonderful, wonderful man. But he advocated for $900 PFD because he thought, he, he thought it's crippling us. So what you've got is conservatives who believe that the PFD is crippling us as people. You've got conservatives who say, follow the law. Whatever it is, change the law if you want to change it. So um, one of the things that happened with Laddie Shaw, of course, is that Laddie has latched on to the let's follow the law party. Uh, And that kind of goes across Democrats and Republicans. But you've got a lot of people in the state who say follow the law. And then you've got a smaller number of conservatives who say, yeah, we don't have that kind of money anymore. We need to provide services through the state and we don't want to cut cut any more state funds, you know, we have education and health care and all the things that we need to do. So we've got two different camps in the Republican Party, but the Democrats also have kind of two different camps. You've got some of the poorer Democrats who would, would really like to see the full PFD because they use them for heating oil in the bush or oh, gosh, groceries. Yeah. And, I mean, they're living a somewhat subsistence lifestyle. And they, they really depend on that PFD. And then you've got others who say, no, no, we need to give it to the state and let the state handle services. So we've got two new parties that are sort of super, superimposed on our existing parties, and it's quite a mess, as you pointed out. Well, but what – I mean, so that's the question that I'm still trying to figure out is when does this end, um, you know, in terms of – I don't see why the governor would say, okay, well, you guys have obviously shown that – you're not going to – or maybe not obvious, but it seems obvious that you're not going to um, approve anybody that it doesn't have the same view that you do on the PFD. And I have my view on the PFD, and I'm the one who gets to make the decision as to who to appoint to this seat. So how long does that game of back and forth go? Is there anything that legally says you have to have it in place by a certain time, or can it just remain unfilled? So what happened next was that after Laddie Shaw was turned down by the Senate Republicans because they are dominated by a group that wants a smaller PFD, um, what happened next was that the, the governor offered Josh Rebeck's name. Josh Rebeck is also in that Senate district. He represents Senate um, House District 25. So if, if 26 wasn't good enough for them, that he says, okay, what about 25? Both Laddie Shaw and Josh Rebeck have been duly elected to the, that Senate district, to that segment. And so, uh, evidently, the um, you know, Senate President Kathy Diesel has polled her Senate Republicans and has come up with a date sometime in in November to interview Laddie Shaw, but she hasn't announced the date yet, and she's been very, very quiet about this particular appointment. Now, Laddie Shaw, um, Laddie Shaw was a veteran, uh, two times in Vietnam. He was a Navy SEAL. He was a, a former instructor of the, the Trooper Academy. He had everything going for him and could not get himself confirmed with these moderate Republicans because he was, quote, too conservative, which if you know Laddie, you know he's not too conservative. He's kind of a liberal. 
But um, yeah. So so now you've got Josh Rebeck. He's he, as soon as his name was announced by the governor, Congressman Don Young came out and just gave him a full throated endorsement. And even Senator Sullivan tweeted a, a support for him and saying what a great person he is. So they're boxed in a little bit. He's also a veteran. He is a, injured in Iraq, badly injured in Iraq. And so he's a, he's a Purple Heart recipient. Are they going to say no to him too? Um, they've got until, well, you know, whenever, obviously, they'll have to get together in January and, and confirm or, or not confirm. It could go on for a long time, actually. It could go on for months. I, I think they will confirm him. They're in a bit of a box. Oh, dear, Jim. I, I thought I think I lost you. Hey, folks, want to apologize. Obviously, there was a technical glitch in uh, in our final minute of conversation with Suzanne Downing at Must Read Alaska. I'm just going to close out here and thank her again for being involved. We'll get that taken care of so it won't happen again. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Suzanne and for all the great things she does uh, for Alaska by uh, producing such an excellent um, uh, blog and newsletter and alerts. Uh, we couldn't be more thankful for all that Suzanne Downing does. And go sign up if you haven't before um, to Must Read Alaska and make sure you sign up for akfamily.org and get our newsletters as well as our action alerts. So thanks again so much for tuning in to Family Matters here on KVNT. We couldn't be more uh, grateful for your support and listenership. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll be back in touch next week.